Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw on the wisdom of the saints to help us to navigate this difficult life. And today we have a very good friend. Uh, he's in our, I don't know, top five, right? Well, he has, uh, you know, the, he had the distinct role of actually reading at our wedding. He did write. That's right. He did read at our wedding. You know, so not everybody gets to read at our wedding. That was that's a long right. time. There was ago. only two people who read at our wedding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're really happy to have Paul McCusker with us. Yeah. He is a writer, a dramatist. Wait, no, uh, that's wrong. It, it's it's he is a prolific okay. writer. So Paul McCusker is a prolific writer and a dramatist. He's best known for his work on the long-running children's audio program. Adventures in Odyssey, the award-winning radio theater productions for the Augustan Institute. They are amazing. You got to check those out. Yeah, they're phenomenal and focus on the family and a variety of novels, a long variety of novels, a long list of variety of novels uh, written for all ages, including Into the Catacombs, Last Things, The Adventures of Nick and Sam, and The Virtue Chronicles. And he's a dear friend. Yeah. Welcome, Paul. It's good to be with you. Always a pleasure. It's uh, just sitting here and listening to your bio reminds me, Paul and I both became Catholic while working for a one of the most influential Protestant organizations of its time, Focus on the Family. Yeah, I don't know what that says about them, but that's interesting. It is interesting. I, well, I think it made a good <laughs> bit of people in the organization uncomfortable. Some didn't care, but some did. Yeah, it was interesting when I became Catholic. I think the question I got, to be honest, was uh, first, first, I think the reaction was, um, I think they felt as long as it doesn't get in, interfere with your work, that's good. Right. And then the other was, oh, that's just Paul doing his high church bells and smells thing because I was Anglican. Yeah. As and, was I. and then the final thing was I actually, my immediate boss, when I told him, just said, so do you love Jesus? And I said, well, more than ever. And he said, okay, that's all we need to know. Let's mm -hmm. And that was kind of it. For me, it was a little more uh, difficult, not much, but the, the, the statement of faith of folks on the family was actually anti-Catholic. It was written by um, oh, evangelicals for financial accountability or something like that. Right. Um, and it, that they were Calvinist uh, leaning anti-Catholic. And so I'm going, I went and met with the Bishop, Bishop Sheridan, God rest his soul and mm -hmm. walked through the statement to figure out if I could sign it or I could still agree to it. And, uh, and, uh, and so I, then I met with, with uh, Ron Wilson, who was at that time head of human resources. And I said, I'm going to read for you the statement of faith and I'm going to tell you what I'm agreeing to. And he said, okay. So then we just kept mm -hmm. moving. And I didn't actually have to sign it. I'd been on and off staff. And I think during that period, I had come back on staff and they never made me sign it. But since then, by the way, there's been an interesting uh, 
debate going on because a couple of Catholics worked there and, and noticed especially this first point on the on the statement of faith and said they could not sign it. Yeah. And then uh, the organization had to go through and decide. And I think they decided to either ignore it, but they wouldn't change the offending the clause. So, yeah. But, you know, that's that's the way things are. Well, okay. good. Well, uh, let's talk about our subject today. So I will say um, that I think uh, the work you did on the annotated screw tape letters is is ex is extremely helpful and good. In fact, I use the book um, for my. It's a required reading for my spiritual warfare and discernment of spirits course. It to give them a holy imagination. But let's lay the ground for work for folks who d maybe aren't familiar with C.S. Lewis and what what is this screw tape letters thing and why is it so powerful and important. Well, I think um, well, C.S. Lewis is about as close as you can get to, I think, a Protestant saint. Um, uh, there are only a couple of them. But he he um, was a scholar in mid-20th century, uh, had a long journey to the faith because he was um, primarily agnostic. In fact, as a young man, I, I was tickled by the fact that he resented God for not existing. Uh, <laughs> period and um, classic atheist uh, problem. But he ultimately, yeah. ultimately, in, in this long journey, it was you know not one of those immediate conversions. He uh, he came to Christ, and then he um, took on in in his uh, his writing duties more so than anything. Uh, he had a passion for apologetics, and he began to write, uh, if not overt material about about the faith and defending the faith, but certainly imaginative things. He did the Space Trilogy. He did tons and tons of writing, um, The Great Divorce, which a lot of people read and love, um, and which almost advocates a view of purgatory. Which it does, yeah. And, um, and of course, he's best known for the Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, but mixed in within all of that, he had he was he was bored during church one day and during the homily, he got this idea about an exchange of letters between a demon and uh, a subordinate demon and how demons uh, do what they do to wreck our lives, to wreck our spirituality, to completely thwart our journey to heaven. And uh, that seed of an idea kind of grew into what then became a series of letters for one of the English newspapers. It was a Church of England newspaper called The Guardian. And uh, he be, for 32, 33 weeks, he just did every week these letters from Screwtape, the senior demon, to his nephew, Wormwood. And, um, and through each one, he was exploring all the different facets of uh, essentially temptation and what he would have said is a world turned upside down. Because the whole thing is from the point of view of the demon. And so that means it's not necessarily accurate, but it's only accurate because it give, gives us an inside look at the workings of demons. Um, in fact, what I'd like to do in the course that I'm going to do is, is tie a lot of what he's talking about into um, with your The Devil in the Castle. Mm. Because what you write about there ties into a lot of the things that Screwtape is talking about in all the different ways he tempts us. And a lot of it's through psychological games. Uh, so that's what the book does. And it's it's become a classic. 
because it's so very insightful. So what we're talking about then is that you're going to be doing a course at the Avila Institute, mm. utilizing your writing of or, or your um, annotated annotated version of the screw tape lever level letters. <laughs> oh, hello, <laughs> it's yeah. it's early, I guess. It's screw tape letters. Yeah, and then utilizing Dan's book, um, Devil in the Castle. So well, I'd like to draw the parallels because Lewis sure. doesn't. I mean, Lewis was not Catholic. I know he read the saints, but the degree to which he integrated their works into uh, into his writings is very loose, um, rarely direct. I know you can sense the influence, but uh, I know, for example, I, I went digging into some of his letters and he quotes uh, Sister uh, Teresa, St. Teresa uh, of Avila in a couple of places but but by no means did I get the sense that he had really jumped deep into her writings and an understanding yeah. of her. You know, what, what's fascinating about Lewis and Screwtape is, so, you know, Stephanie and I have been in uh, many, many exorcisms, full-right exorcisms, and then, of course, uh, ongoing uh, deliverance ministry, which Stephanie is head of for the Apostle Via community, and what's what's striking about Lewis is without having that kind of experience, uh, how accurate he is in the mm -hmm. way in the way in depicting the way demons behave, because we we get to see it in a sense firsthand. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in deliverance world, your sensitivities are heightened and you you know, you can be in a you can be in a an exorcism and hear a demon, you know, say a lie over and over and then be out in the world and hear a, you know, a friend or a student or somebody say the exact same lie in the exact same way. And you have this heightened sensitivity to all of the demonic activity going on, which rarely people get a glimpse into. So I think what's invaluable about his work is that he helps us to develop what I would call a holy imagination mm -hmm. that helps us to, to understand the, the, the doctrinal truths in a deeper conceptual way. Does that make sense? It does. And, and, you're, and you're right. I think through Narnia, through a lot of his writings, um, the holy imagination, uh, we underestimate that, I think, as believers yeah. very often. We think of stories, we think of inspirational things as secondary or somewhere down the list of things we ought to engage in. And with him, he brings it to the forefront. And I think you're absolutely right in terms of how he does that. Yeah. The, the, the power of holy imagination is, as you say, way underrated. The, in our high calling program, we have about a hundred guys that we're doing priestly formation for and preparing them for seminary. We actually take them through, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, Dr. Andrew Seeley, I think is the one who's teaching that. And the reason we're doing it is to elicit a deeper kind of um, visceral connection to what it means to be a hero, what mm -hmm. it means to be courageous, what it means to be valiant and, and exhibit virtues, even to total self-sacrifice, which of course is 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 perfectly uh, exemplified in Jesus, but also the priesthood, you know, for a priest to be to be holy. So it's I think it's underrated and it's unfortunate, but it's for those who who allow themselves to, you know, 
imbibe, if you will, I don't know if that's the right word, to drink of it, to internalize it. It, 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 it's, it has a similar effect. We just led a pilgrimage to Israel this summer. It has a similar effect to pilgrimages to Israel, where instead of these vague conceptions of where Jesus walked and when he went to Jericho and when he was in Jerusalem, when he's in the, instead of these vague conceptions, suddenly now everything goes 3D. We're actually in the place. We're experiencing it. So it's, it's almost like the power of meditation, Ignatian meditation of scripture in the sense that it brings it all alive. So when we get back from the break, we'll continue to talk to Paul McCusker, who'll be teaching a course at the Avila Institute on spiritual warfare in modern times, C.S. Lewis and the Screwtape Letters. It, it, it starts uh, Thursday, March 9th. So go to avila-institute.org and check that out, avila-institute.org. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy and marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today. There is a growing need for well-formed, solid spiritual directors in the church today. The Avila Institute, in collaboration with Heart of Christ Spiritual Direction Program, offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards God. The program is grounded in Ignatian and Carmelite spirituality based on a Catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles and the new evangelization. This program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. We're here with a really incredibly gifted writer, uh, content creator, audio dramas, multiple books, and we're just so blessed to have him uh, just as a friend, a good friend, but also teaching for us at the Avala Institute. As I mentioned before the break, he'll be teaching a course coming up here uh, pretty quickly. So you can go out uh, on Spiritual Warfare in Modern Times. Head out to avala-institute.org. And uh, even if you hear this broadcast uh, some ways down the line and it's sort of out of sync with uh, when the course is available, you can always become a member of the Avala Army, which is a monthly support of our work. And then you'll be able to find Paul's course in there but it's always more fun live so if you can do that check it out avala-institute.org stephanie you had a question i do i do so i'm going to get personal here paul because i can um so given that the screw tape letters and and i think most people that have listened to it especially if they are able to listen to uh the dramatized version that you made that was incredible i mean just off the charts, off the charts, best thing ever. Yeah. Um, if you want the screw tape letters to come alive. So given that when you listen to them, you being, you know, universal, you, I know that most people listen to it and go, wow, that's just so true. Oh my gosh. I've experienced yeah. that. Oh, that's how he works in me. Or, oh, I've seen that in, you know, X person or whatever. You start to understand that, Really, this feels like an inspired work. Given all that, I want to know how has 
working with this, teaching with it, uh, getting so deep into this material affected your faith journey? Well, I think um, the short answer is it makes it all the more real. Um, I mean, I don't know that there was ever a point where I doubted the existence of demons and their work. The subtleties and nuance is uh, of the of what they do, I think, is what comes through in screw tape letters and then impacts me because the mind games, the kinds of things, the rationalizations that I might be inclined to do that uh, can lead me into sin or lead me into or sometimes it's just distraction. Um, uh, and and then you, you guys touch on this, but distracting is a big part of it. It's it's mm-hmm. not always the overt sin. It's not always the overt thing. In fact, screw tape says at one point, you know, why, why, why lead them into something like that when you can actually take them in another direction they're not expecting um, by, like, by way of distraction during prayer, by way of distraction just from doing the right thing at the moment then that we're supposed to do the right thing. And, um, and I think I've found that I'm more aware of not the overt ways, but the subtle ways uh, that demons work and tempt and distract us from what we're supposed to be thinking about and what we're supposed to be doing. And Lewis had the same problem, by the way. Um, Lewis, Lewis considered the screw tape letters probably uh, the most unpleasant thing he's ever he ever had to write. Really, that's fascinating. Um, and he said so. It was. I think he used the quote. It was all thirst, grit, dust, and itch. Um, because and he said it was hard because he he had to really dive deep into his own spiritual life Mm. in order to to kind of dig out these these nuggets of truth and during this period he he it impacted him so much that he wound up going to a catholic spiritual director Mm. fascinating and began to meet with one regularly and i think uh, did almost for, for most of the rest of his life but it was true. He knew his need and he knew that he was beyond his own powers to to deal with these things that he was writing about. And uh, and and I, I think it's impacted me much the same way. Mm. Uh, if, if ever you think you need, have a need for a spiritual director, you need help. Yeah. Confessional, wherever you can get that, uh, something like this will highlight it because of all the games um, Satan is, and his minions are playing uh, with us. Absolutely. So given that he went to a a Catholic spiritual director, do you think he would have become Catholic? I mean, what kept him from going over that last step? I I think his background, I agree with Joseph Pierce, who did a book about this. And his conclusion was that ultimately, in the space of time that we have with Lewis up until 1963, um, in his letters, you see a lot of his Ulster Irish Protestant background coming up. In fact, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was trying to find references in his letters about um, St. Teresa, he quotes her at one point. But then uh, there's another point where I stumbled onto another section where, where a Catholic publisher had picked up one of his books, Pilgrim's Regress. Um, it had fallen out of print with his first publisher and the sheet and ward decided to publish it and he was having a real problem with this papist publisher um, <laughs> uh publishing his book but 
he sort of shrugged and said, well, at least it's out there, you know, that sort of thing. And all the way through, there was a point in one letter where he had met with his, the Catholic spiritual director, who I guess had pushed him a little bit across a line, whatever that line was, that he just couldn't go in terms of his personal devotions. Mm. And he doesn't specify what that is. Uh, but whatever it was, you, you, you get the impression it was a very Catholic spiritual thing to do. And he actually said, and I told him I would not do it. And if he insisted on it, then I would no longer see him. So there was this line that Lewis kind of brushed up against, like you'd see him touch on it in mere Christianity and other works. And then he backs off. Uh, So I don't know if he had stayed in some argue he would, I'm not convinced that he ever would have. Yeah. I mean, the anti-Catholic sentiment in the the culture he grew up in was very, very strong. But as, but what is fascinating, I think he's, he's a man who, was saved by truth uh, and uh, had a passion for truth wherever it led him. And so he, he seemed that, that always seemed to lead him brushing up, as you would say, against Catholicism. I think the great divorce is one of the more mm-hmm. uh, uh, powerful ways of understanding purgatory from a guy who didn't have that in his theological dictionary. Mm-hmm. Well, and our, and it's so funny because I mean, a high church Anglicanism, apart from being out of communion with Rome, um, was very Catholic. And Lewis was fascinating because, you know, he he would, I think inevitably, if you're going to pursue the deeper spiritualities, you're going to come up against yeah. Catholic thought. Yeah, and I think true. that's what constantly happened to him, to, to whatever degree he realized it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see on the list of, the, of projects that you're working on that there's one that's very close to my heart that I have mm. a, a, a deep devotion to, and that's uh, Joan of Arc. So mm. can you talk to us a little bit about this new audio drama that you're working on? Uh, yeah, I, we've been wanting to do this for a long time. And because of COVID, we just couldn't get back to England because we record our actors in England. Mm. And, and so our production shut down. But finally, I had the opportunity to uh, go in, dig into her life, create a drama around her, which really does tell pretty much her story, at least from the point when she goes to meet the Dauphin, the prince of of France, and all the way through to the end. Uh, No spoilers here. but um, uh, And as usual, when I work on these saint dramas, I learn an awful lot. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I come in with just that superficial novel that everybody knows, and then when I start digging in to figure her out as a character, you know, yeah, I'm trying to think through how do I present her and I have to go in pretty deep. Uh, it tells me a lot about her. She was she was amazing. And yes. through the whole thing, I kept going back. She is younger than my daughter. Isn't it mm. crazy? My daughter yeah. is now 21. But as I was working on this, you're talking about a 17, 18 yeah. year old doing and these it, amazing things. The the thing that's fascinating to me I, I, is that Mark Twain's opus, mm-hmm. which most people don't know, was about uh, Joan of Arc. How much of his work do you use? How Do you find it credible in your rec- research? Well, I think he researched it. Uh, his research was very good. I yeah. actually referenced a dozen different books. So I uh-huh. used his. I looked at other novels just to see what they did. 
I went back. I mean, her her trial was one of the most doc. It was the, I think, the most mm-hmm. documented trial of its time. You had transcripts galore of every question, every answer, and you can piece together her life from a lot of. And they had two trials. One was the original one, and then twenty years later or so after her death, then they reopened it because mm-hmm. she had been officially declared a witch. And there were enough people advocating that the the Vatican then reopened the whole thing and said, well, we're going to do this all over again. And then they came to the opposite conclusion, which was she was not. And it was all a lot of politics around her. But she was not canonized until 1920, I think it was. So I I know folks are listening and thinking that Paul is a very interesting human. (laughs) And uh, they would be right. He is very interesting. He's got a a lot of obscure knowledge and even helpful knowledge. And I, I think that uh, if you want to dig into some of the best insight into spiritual warfare and actually gain a kind of instinct that Stephanie and I have from direct work in exorcism and deliverance so that you can better combat, better see the movements of the enemy in your own, in life. your own life. I yeah. think there, let me just, there's three resources. We've all we've mentioned them all here today. But one is uh, Paul's course at the Avala Institute, Spiritual Warfare in Modern Times, avala-institute.org. You can become a member also of the Avala Army, which you can get recordings. But I'd recommend the live course. The second is Paul mentioned the use of my most recent book, Devil in the Castle, which is subtitled Spiritual War- St. Teresa of Avala, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul. And then the third is, is, is spiritual warfare and discernment of spirits. Of course, mm-hmm. the book, the annotated screw tape letters is, is, is a no-brainer. But spiritual warfare and discernment of spirits, you can find those books at EWTN's religious catalog, the last two anyway, uh, and or through spiritualdirection.com. We have a shop button there, and you can find the books there. But either way, I'd strongly recommend. Uh, Paul is a, is a good man. He's a fascinating uh, teacher and the students love his course, and it will help you really to better understand how the enemy works and how you can grow and how you can combat his works in your own life and then help others to do the same. So head out to avala-institute.org, sign up for that course or for the Avala Army so that you can have access to a recording at some point later. Paul, it's been really good to see your face mm-hmm. and to uh, Likewise. talk with you, and, and we're grateful that you're teaching for us at the Avila Institute. And with that, we've got to hit the road. One last thing, paulmccusker.com, paulmccusker.com, paulmccusker.com. Stephanie, take us out. Okay. Until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.